Good day to you. Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you for listening wherever you are. Whether you're on the west coast, the east coast, buried in snow up in the north. Whether you are in Israel or Australia, South Africa, wherever you are, man, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. You know, the other day I recorded an episode and I, and I started out by saying that I just didn't have much to say on that particular day. Roughly a week ago, I had opened up the, the podcast saying that, you know, I just was feeling quiet. My prayer time that morning, I was just quiet, somewhat reserved and still. Well, that's not how I'm feeling today. That's not at all how I feel today. Today, it really is about, Lord, I'm about to turn on this recorder and and I'm about to say some things and, and there will be people that listen to the words of my mouth. So, Lord, may it be what the Spirit is saying. I don't want my opinion. Friends, I don't want to present my opinion to you. All over the earth, men are sharing their mere personal convictions alone. Well, this is my take. Well, this is how I see it. This is how this lands with me. But friends, what what do we do when we arrive in any sort of position, doctrinally, Factually, as being God-men upon the earth in this age, it's 2020, y'all. It's 2020. Do we realize that thousands of years ago, men just like us were watching and waiting, looking to the skies for the return of the Messiah? Friends, He's coming. You know, a lot of, in a lot of cases, in, 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 in the majority now, this has lulled us to sleep. The same fact has lulled the bride to sleep. The bridegroom, he's just not coming. I'm tired of waiting. He's not coming. Maybe my great, 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 great grandchildren? Maybe, maybe, but probably not. Now, the scriptures tell us clearly to anticipate long for, and even if we can wrap our brains around it, usher in the return of the Messiah. And there is a remnant. I mean, I have, I have seen firsthand there are people watching and waiting. I'm not negating that in, in any way. There always has been and there always will be a people doing what the Scripture commands, which is, come Lord Jesus. Now, we have to be careful. Many people say, come Lord Jesus, from their rapturitis, escapism-based understanding. Hurry up, Jesus, and rescue me from this awful world. Get me out. A misconception from my perspective of the alien lifestyle. This is not my home. 
I'm not a, I'm not a, a member of the kingdom and patterns of the world. No, I'm not. It is evil. The, the earth is evil. It's fallen. But even yet here, I now dwell within a kingdom unseen, yet present, eternal, yet already here, within me. And, I don't, I don't, and I'm not going to go there today, but that's why the distinctive people of God must be a mandatory prerequisite to be within that kingdom. If you truly dwell within a kingdom that is eternal, that cannot be housed in the governments of men, it cannot be sided with a political party, it cannot be infatuated with the patterns of the world that are evil, fallen, and will be consumed and burned because they are temporal and natural, that's why the man who lives outside of that is a kingdom man. That is a kingdom man. It's an identifier. It's a distinct characteristic. There are several, but to me that is the primary one. Someone who is distinctively against the governments and patterns of this natural, temporal kingdom world. Friends, we have got to come out from among them. I mean entirely. Like the last episode I recorded, I briefly touched on Lot and his family being removed by the sovereign hand of Yahweh outside of the gates outside of the destruction of the city of Sodom. In their stubbornness, in their obstinate condition, God removed them. The messengers, the angels said, look, we can't do anything until you're out of here. That's a beautiful example of of the compassion of God towards His own. But as I touched on and I just continue to meditate on in this season of my life is they were told to continue going out. And I would say from my perspective, and I'm going to add this, like people come down hard on personal conviction. Well, I'm tired of hearing your conviction. Friends, if we don't have personal conviction that is sourced in the scriptural truths of a life in Yeshua, it it has to be a personal conviction. My personal conviction is my first-hand experiential reality response to adhering to the truths and doctrines and principles and ways and statutes of Yahweh. His laws, his governmental authority and the patterns of his kingdom government is my personal conviction. We have to be clear. We're not talking about personal preference. My personal convictions oppose my personal preference. We have to understand that. We have to be mature men. We talk, so, we talk so elementary. We look at things so natural through a presumptuous lens of, oh, well, we look at you and we know you, 
And we label and we label and we mark and we mark and we put name tags on people in self-justification and exaltation. We know better. I don't want to hear about X that you're saying. Friends, I'm telling you, this is, this is such a hindrance to the body of Christ, actually moving into a unified, one-man, even possibility. Oh, can't be with you, you're religious. Can't be with you, you're legalistic. Can't be with you, here's my problem, I'll just be transparent. You're too worldly. You're too natural. I'm being completely transparent. You talk about being holy and consecrated and set apart, but brother, you're not. And I have this, I have this propensity to build walls right there. I do. Why? I have spent 14 years of my life coming out of the patterns of the world and, and raising my son to be free from the bondage of the world and the infiltration of the patterns of the world that creep into, I would say, almost every Christian home I have ever been in. And so I'm hard. I'm tough. I'm strict. I'm precise. But I don't do that apologetically, and I shouldn't, as long as I don't allow that to be a wall between me and a brother. And friends, that's where I'm at this morning. Something in my life came onto my radar this weekend that stopped me in my tracks right along these lines of personal conviction based upon years of prayer and study and giving myself to the patterns of the kingdom and the ways of Yeshua Messiah. Not some flippant mere preference, no outside influence, no I heard a teaching and read a book one time and so okay well that's my doctrine now. But I mean like peeling back the layers of who I am and in humility saying, God, you yourself brand your truth upon my heart and mind. Write it upon the tablet of my heart. I want what is true. I do not want what I want. Do you hear what I'm saying? I do not want my own will and my own way to prevail. And so the problem is when you start speaking from a place of deep conviction with great tenacity, if we're not careful, we will simply hear something like that and brand it, well, they're just fanatical. They are just this. They are just that. But friends, something came up this weekend that literally had me in, in, in tremendous turmoil. Something that, that came into my, not present now, I mean like for years, for 15 plus years, a, a, a absolutely scripturally, doctrinally, prayerfully convinced conviction that I would say is in the top tier of things I cling to and I'm like, no way. No way is there any other way than this. And I'm still right there. I'm still there after 
two days of like really praying into that. Asking the Lord to correct me. Asking him to correct me. Lord, if I'm wrong, I want to know. If I'm wrong, I truly want to know that I'm wrong. I can take it. It's not above a possibility. I am full of error. I'm full of misunderstanding. There are things in me that are off, scripturally speaking, in my understanding presently. I understand that. That's no revelation. That's kindergarten spirituality for a God-man. And, and it doesn't negate what we do walk in that's truth and light as God defines it. But there are things in myself and in every one of us that are wrong. Wrong, flat out wrong. Opposing God and his, his view on any matter. But here's the thing, like, what do you do when you stand in the midst of a congregation and your, your conviction now, your conviction that is rooted and established in years of giving yourself to proper biblical, scriptural, and spirit-led understanding towards a matter, and you almost solely oppose the entire circle you're in. Friends, this is tough. This, these are hard things. These are hard places to be found within. Yet here's the thing, right? It is good. It's good. It's good if A, we don't run and flee. I wanted to run. I wanted to leave in the natural and sure as can be in my inside. I was shaking my head. No, 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 God, no. My natural man wanted to say, nope, can't do it. I'm done. I'm done. Again, top tier now. Top tier scriptural, spirit-led conviction now. Not personal opinion, not a position that is just, well, this is what I prefer. This opposes my natural man understanding. It opposes what I want to do and can do and could do as a natural man free from being in the Messiah. It opposes what I want as a natural man. I wanted to leave. But what? I surrendered myself to the Spirit of the Lord. One of the things we've been talking about in our home is just the simple fact that in our weakness, He is made strong. And so, Lord, in this moment, now my, my convictions, my heart, my emotions, they're strong. They're strong. They're solid. They're secure. Unwavering. But Lord, I know I'm flawed. I know I do not hold perfect truth. I do not possess it all for myself in its entirety. Nor will I ever. And so I'm staying. I'm staying. I entrust myself to you. You will be my defender. I believe to the best of my ability through prayer and denying myself as a lifestyle, not as a season now, but as a lifestyle, that, Lord, I've positioned myself to, to the best of my ability, 
hear what your spirit's saying and speak the oracles of God. Friends, and this is the thing where this people who want to assault personal convictions, it is not right. It's just not right. Friends, if we don't have a personal conviction, what do we have? A personal conviction that is personal in the sense that I possess what God himself has revealed to me in my present understanding as right and true and according to his ways. It is personal. (laughs) It's personal because I have joined myself with it. I've joined myself with it. Covenantally speaking, God, I receive your law. I receive your ways into myself. I ingest all that you are. It is literally becoming part of me. It is now a personal conviction that is sourced and originates in you yourself. Again, to the best of my present ability, to the best of my present understanding. If we do not do that, we are tossed to and fro. We're constantly wavering. We're constantly potentially led astray. What do you think, brother? I don't know. What do I know? I don't hold truth. Well, no, I don't either, but I still have given myself through much time now and studying and 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 communion with the Father to establish that I know Him. Now, I don't know Him perfectly. I want to be so clear. But listen, I know Him. And I am striving to lay aside and continually cast aside every single thing that prohibits me from moving further into knowing Him more and more as He is. My trajectory is set. And so amen for the personal conviction. It's the word of the testimony of the slain lamb that leads me to a place where I love not my life unto death. It's surrendered. It's not about me. It's not about my opinion. We're not talking about mere opinions. We're talking about men who are convinced of a matter sourced in hearing what the Lord is saying through these flawed vessels of clay in our yet temporal condition, yet eternal in unseen areas. And so I have a question for you. How in the world Do we maintain and walk in unity of the Spirit? How do we walk in unity of the Spirit? Man, I've been right here for five years hard. Hard now. Several years ago, I arrived at a a moment with with, with a close brother where we disagreed on a matter. We had been walking in a level of agreement, a level of unity. Yes. But when something came up that was hard, that was based in correction and a a differing view, the Lord taught me in that the beauty in the hardness now, the beauty of the necessity of being unified in the Spirit. 
Because friends, we cannot be unified in the spirit until we disagree. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about false brotherhood. There is, man, the Christian church is full of false brotherhood. It's the Elks Club. It's a country club relationship. Well, we, man, we just, we, we never argue. We never fight. We never disagree. We're, quote, in unity. I would say, I don't know if that's true. Not in my experience now, 40 years being in the church. When is there a necessity for the unity of the Spirit? Friends, otherwise, all we have is camaraderie. Otherwise, all we have is like fishing buddies within the church coming together in this generic shared interest. There's no need for the unity of the Spirit. There's no need. We only need the unification of the Spirit of the living God when we find ourselves disagreeing in the natural. So amen for it, right? I mean, thank the Lord for it. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this, this podcast. I'm going to make this two parts. This mysterious unity of the Spirit. We see it all throughout the New Testament. Paul talks about it all the time. Friends, if you think you've mastered it, I would just challenge you to maybe step back and say, do I really know what that is? Am I really walking in that? Have I ever really placed myself within the confines of it being necessary? And I'm going to end that, this part with that. What is unity of the Spirit? I want to look at some scriptures and talk about that a little bit in part two. Amen.